Whisper Nation, we're talking rookie running backs and a couple quarterbacks right here on episode 97 of the Fantasy Whispers. We're diving in right now. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Tuesday, April 28th, and you're listening to episode 97 of the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Game Time Hicks, and your boy right here, Big Travi. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at the Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We have articles in our latest episodes, as well as a bunch of fresh swag. Get that swag drip, Johnny. Don't forget to also check us out on Patreon. You can support our show by signing up as a patron on the Fantasy Whispers Patreon account. You get access to a ton of bonus content. So head over to Patreon.com and search for the Fantasy Whispers today. Johnny, this is the episode right here, my brother. Dude, I this. am I, I I'm so excited, dude. It's the rookie show. We love giving the rookie show, but this year is gonna be even better. Why, Travis? Why you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Because we are in a dynasty league this year, and this is our first ever rookie draft. And man, have there been trades upon trades. And man, I cannot wait for where these where these guys go in our in our landing spots and our in our dynasty leagues. I'm just excited, Travis. I'm excited to talk about these guys. I'm falling in love with each and every single one of them. I want them all on my dynasty team. Yeah, I mean, Johnny, we can tell if the if you if you guys are in our dynasty whispers league, you would know that Johnny is out here trying to make his team unrecognizable. Pretty much, he has drafted, uh, just traded away players, traded away picks, traded four picks, traded four players. Uh, he's shaking it up, moving and shaking. So it's been uh, it's been pretty wild ride. But I I do want to say this, Big Travi, to all of Whisper Nation. I did it, and I know what you're asking yourself. What did Johnny Hicks do? Well, on the last show, I mentioned I really wanted to get Chase from Big Travi. Chase Edmonds, oh, Chase Edmonds yeah. friends of the show, Chase Edmonds from Big Travi, and he was not having it. But finally, finally, he came to his senses on the 12 o'clock hour. And yesterday, he sent me a trade request, finally giving me what I wanted. I got Chase Edmonds, sent him David or Duke Johnson, who is his handcuff in Tampa Bay, or, uh, well, Tampa Bay, and uh, in Texas uh, for the Houston Texans. And I get my guy, Chase. I sent him also a fourth round pick as well. So we both get stuff. We're both happy. We're both excited and we're ready to draft. But first, we want to talk about these guys. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, if you're in a dynasty league, you want to know a little bit more about rookies. But this is just it's time that we can actually go from full on speculation to speculative um, ads to these teams. We can talk about situation. We can talk about coaching schemes. We can talk about the player style fit. Um, and we get to talk about all those things now. We decided, you know, there's a lot of impact rookies right now uh, across the board, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and a couple tight ends. And so we thought we'd split these shows up in a little more of a digestible format. If you're listening or watching the show, we appreciate you. 
uh, go ahead and hit like, like, and subscribe right now. We would appreciate that. Um, if you are listening to the show just on audio, go ahead and leave us a review. If you're listening to the show and you are not subscribed to us on YouTube, please get over there and do that. Uh, we would love that. Um, but for right now, uh, it's time to get into the show, and we're going to start off, Johnny, with the rookie quarterbacks. And none, you know, and and just you know, so you know, Whisper Nation, for the format of this show, we are going to be going in the order that they were drafted. Um, so that means we will start with the quarterbacks, and we will work our way down to the running backs. Um, and so we start with none other than Joe Burrow. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have told me since my Instagram photo um, that I kind of look like Joe Burrow. So. <laughs> Nobody's told me that, actually. But but you can uh, imagine what it'd be like if someone did. It'd be it'd be it'd be quite the feeling. Yeah. And look, Burrow is got the swag. He's got the charisma. He's got the he's got that Heisman trophy. And now he's got and he. He's got that number one overall pick, and he makes it three straight players to be Heisman Trophy winners and be picked at the number one overall pick. So, Johnny, why don't you learn up Whisper Nation a little bit here on Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow, uh, if you didn't watch him last year, you truly missed out. This guy was electrifying. He really turned it around for himself uh, coming into the year. He was only projected to be like a sixth rounder uh, and had that amazing of a season uh, for LSU. Obviously won the, the national championship and his draft stock just just skyrocketed. So he comes off the board as a 101. You like to fit here, right? Cincinnati, he's got some good pieces. He's got Joe Mixon, hopefully, if he doesn't hold out throughout the season. Uh, uh, you've got A.J. Green there who did uh, sign his little um, his, his qualifying offer for this next year. You've got uh, Tyler Boyd. They bring in and draft uh, T. Higgins. So they, they really want to put the pieces around him to really allow him to succeed. You still have uh, John Ross III who kind of showed a flash last year. So you really have pieces here. You're getting a, an offensive lineman back that they drafted last year in the first round. So offensive lineman or offensive line should be better than it was last year. Uh, so certainly all of the signs are showing that Joe Burrow could be very, very good for for dynasty owners um, now if you're looking for redraft I'm not necessarily going to be probably picking up Joe Burrow for this first year um, I just don't see it uh, with the amount of of quarterbacks that are are on the market today it just wouldn't make sense to get Joe Burrow his first year uh, for fantasy but certainly dynasty I, I like where he's where he landed I like his outlook I like what's going around him he, he's got the ability to succeed and we we equated this my NFL comp for Joe Burrow was Andrew Luck. So, you know, if you're in a dynasty league and you need a quarterback, you shouldn't hesitate on taking Joe Burrow. He has the qualifications to be a really, really good quarterback in this league. And I have I have all the confidence that he's going to be there. But that's my opinion. Travis, what is your opinion? You have kind of been a little bit different in this quarterback evaluation kind of uh, area because of your dynasty situation, not necessarily having to take a quarterback, but at least intrigued by the fact of taking a quarterback. So what does Joe Burrow mean to you? What are you liking from Joe Burrow? And do, what what's your confidence on a level of one to 10 and uh, in drafting Joe Burrow in a rookie draft? I think you should be extremely confident, especially if it's a need on your team. I, I would say, you know, anywhere from nine to 10 on, on confidence meter and drafting Joe Burrow. And that is simply based on the fact that this guy's got all the tools. Um, Johnny talked about the comp to, to Andrew Luck, and maybe that's maybe you want to take that as with a grain of salt and you want to be generous. 
you want to think people are generous. This guy's got the intangibles. He's got the IQ. He can make plays on the run, big plays outside of the pocket. But then he's extremely accurate, Johnny. And, you know, we've talked about pro football focus a lot over our three years in doing this podcast. And we've talked about, you know, Patrick Mahomes being graded high, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. And then these guys get in the NFL and they show that pro football focus kind of has a good system here and how they're grading them. Well, in their six-year history, Johnny, yes, it's still a young company, but six years Pro Football Focus has been doing this. This is the most accurate QB they've ever graded. So we're talking about a guy in Joe Burrow that puts the ball wherever he wants to. He knows that he's got limited arm strength. When he gets down the field, it does get a little wonky for him. Not too much, but he knows that he's got that, and so he limits the field to what he can do. He's very smart in his throws. I'm extremely excited about this marriage to Zach Taylor. We know that he's got the the Rams background, which means the the Kyle Shanahan background. So an up-tempo offense. You talked about the weapons that he has. Plus the narrative with Joe Burrow is so fun, Johnny. He's a kid from Ohio, forced to transfer and go to LSU because he couldn't get enough playing time at Ohio State. And then he comes back to Cincinnati, back to Ohio, is the franchise quarterback for this team. And I think, you know... One Isn't thing it ironic... Do- yeah, don't, don't you think, think. <laughs> I think um, one thing I want to do with these rookies in our rookie show this year is just give you guys a little taste of the tape, because I tell you guys, I, I go and I watch the tape on these guys every time we do these rookie episodes. So for each one of these guys, I'm going to give you a takeaway. And my takeaway for from the tape for Joe Burrow is that when he gets in trouble, man, his eyes stay up. They stay looking down the field. He does not get flustered. He does not look down. He does not hold it. Now, this has caused him to take sacks he didn't need to, but I would rather take that than him to force the ball or to get force interceptions or fumbles because he's scared and he's looking down. He's always looking to make a big play, and I think he's going to do a lot of that for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, talking about another walking big play, Johnny. Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, you like that, That huh? was good. That was very, yeah. very good. Now, I have okay. heard I have heard Tua Tungavailoa uh, pronounced oh. by some people, but I'm not okay. sure if that's necessarily how it. I think you I think you nailed it, and that's how I pronounce it. But I have well, heard. I'm not going to say it again. As in got... risk of botching it. Well, hey, so nothing it's... could be worse than uh, when when the commissioner tried to uh, announce it. It was god awful. Man, I wish we'd play that drop right hey, now. Hey, I'll try to find it. If I can if I can land that drop, it'll be in this episode. It'll You'll hear it. It's it's right pretty bad. Here. <laughs> right. Anyways. <laughs> so uh the Miami Dolphins selected Tua even after all the, the hype this offseason with Tua's the smoke injury, screens. Yeah, the, you know, they their whole thing was tank for Tua last year. That's what we heard. And then, you know, coming in, he had the horrible hip injury i mean if you guys saw any of this you know it was it's been devastating and then we've had COVID 19 and and, it, and the inability for teams to kind of check on tua was always going to be a big situation right johnny but outside of this injury concern and i'm not discrediting that it is a big concern and we'll have to see how that all plays out but outside of that injury injury concern johnny there's not a lot of tape that shows Tua's bad at all like no. there is not tape that shows any weakness in his game he's got the arm talent accuracy the ability to get side outside on the run he's been comp to mark brunel but even better matt ryan in some instances you've got Mm -hmm. miami's line that needs to play better and protect him because he's already kind of a fragile quarterback they've talked about but you know and and i think without outside of Devontae parker they don't have a ton of weapons there you're not excited about the weapons Mm -hmm. so i think for redraft leagues johnny stay away from tua this is something that may be down the line but in dynasty i don't think you should 
spend a, a, a high capital either. But I think you should be looking at Tua in you know those middle rounds and saying, yeah, I, I could take a chance because the upside is there. And I think you know my takeaway from the tape really for Tua was he's got great comfort comfortability and anticipation in the pocket. He, he seems to throw with good poise and command. He knows where his receiver is going to be, and he's confident in putting that ball there. So really excited about Tua as a player. Um, fantasy, you, you might want to pump the brakes a little. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. The other interesting part that no one's really even talked about, Travis, is the fact that Ryan's Fitzmagic is still in Miami. Who's to say right now that once they get Tua into camp and they're like, you know, they really start getting their hands on him and, and seeing what he can and can't do. Oh. Who's a, who's yeah, who's to say that they they don't say, you know what, Fitzmagic, let let's give you one more year. We're gonna redshirt well, yeah. Tua this this first year, like Johnny. That's dude. That's the smart plan, right? You're right. like that. If the Dolphins were smart, they would do that. But are the Dolphins smart, Johnny? I mean, I who knows? It's a new <laughs> regime, and I will say that so far they have been very, very uh, smart with the way that they've been going about this whole entire thing. They had they were really good in the draft. I like what they did. They bolstered up that offensive line. They didn't spend any high draft capital in a running back. They traded for Matt Burita from and and traded a fifth round pick uh, for Matt Burita, who should come in and and pair well really nicely with Jordan Howard. Uh, yeah, you said that they didn't draft a, a whole lot of wide receivers and things like that but like i said if if you if their whole mentality coming in is hey let's give uh let's build this team and truly build this team up to where we want it and and then they're looking you know multiple years in, in the future and maybe they're like oh we'll go out next year and get an, a high cap draft capital wide receiver next year because I don't think anyone's going to project the Dolphins to be very, very good next year. So it's, you're it, it really depends, right, if the Dolphins have given Brian Flores and this regime the real chance to wait, mm -hmm. to, the real chance to be patient. Because if they have, which is something we heard when he got hired, then they can kind of wait on Tua, which means, like you said, they can build for the future. They don't have to worry about losing mm -hmm. the next year or so and worrying about rushing to play Tua. Um, and I think that's a smart strategy. That's the best thing to build this thing for the future and yeah. ease him in with that hit. Not not only that, but I mean, the, the wide receiver core isn't necessarily as bad as we might think. Right. Let's remember uh, Preston, like Preston Williams. Preston Williams was looking really, really good before he got hurt. And then you had, of course, uh, Devontae Parker really pop off. So, you know, there are some pieces there. So. Uh, yeah. The future is looking a lot better, certainly, than it did last year in Miami, but uh, there's still ways to go. So I would be uh, pumping the brakes a little bit on Miami and my expectations there. I uh, just want to make a side note before we move on to the running backs. You know, we obviously would love to talk a lot of speculation about some of these other quarterbacks. You know, there's uh, Love who went to Green Bay. You've got Jalen Hurts. You've got you know, from who went to Buffalo. There's some intriguing uh, storylines in here that we could talk about. You can also talk about Herbert to uh, Los Angeles. But we wanted to really talk about the fantasy relevant implications for you guys. And we just see that these two are the only ones that could be the closest to it. And really only Joe Burrow is one that we're putting a vote of confidence in uh, as far as making an impact this year. But let's get on to the main event, Johnny. The meat and potatoes. This is probably what Whisper Nation just skipped to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. That beautiful <laughs> intro from us. And they're saying, listen, let's talk about the rookie running backs. And we got to start at the top. Uh, kind of a little bit of a splash pick here. There were obviously higher graded running backs than this man. 
But Clyde Edwards Elaire from LSU went to the Kansas City Chiefs as the only first round running back, number 32 overall. And Johnny, you couldn't have been more excited about a week ago when this happened. Uh, You've since traded that number one overall pick away in our dynasty league, but you you remain optimistic and very excited about Clyde uh, going to Kansas City. Absolutely. Listen, uh, the reason why I trade, and we can let people know right now, or Whisper Nation know on 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 the podcast, uh, what I did was I traded uh, the one hundred one overall. Um, so Ceh will be going uh, to our our Troy, who is in our our dynasty league. I traded him. Uh, so the 101 and I got back and a future one for uh, AJ Brown, the 110 and the 310. So, uh, yeah, I gave up a lot of value for sure at the running back position. A, a guy like I'll get into right now, CEH, uh, is uh, an explosive running back. You should have no questions about taking CEH in your dynasty. And even in redraft leagues, he will start to creep up. He'll be that uh, Josh Jacobson pick that was in last year's draft in redraft leagues. That's where CEH will be. And you should have confidence in taking him. Why? Honestly, because he might go a little higher. He, than right. Even went a hundred percent because yeah. the reason why I like CH so much is one, you're looking at draft capital is coming into the draft. Was he my number one graded running back? Absolutely not. But when you have the draft, you're looking for a few things, right? You're looking for draft capital. Nothing could get bigger than uh, putting in a first round draft capital on a running back. That is when you do that, any team does it. I don't care what part of the first round you're in. That is that means you want to use that player and you think highly of that player. Secondly, when CH was being scouted by the uh, scouting room of Kansas City, right? Brett Veach told Andy Reid, he texted him and he said, hey, you need to watch Clyde. Uh, watch his tape. He reminds me a lot of Brian Westbrook, right? Brian Westbrook, great fantasy football player for several, several years under Andy Reid back in Philadelphia. We all know it. And so what Andy Reid did is he went and watched the tape and he got back to Brett Veach. And not only did he say that he liked the tape and what he saw in ZEH, he said he is better than Brian Westbrook. So you know, I've heard this clip uh, a bunch. We've seen it out there. I just wonder how Brian Res- Westbrook feels. About hey, this, may- well, maybe we can get him. We'll tag him and we'll we'll ask him himself. I'm sure he'd be yeah. very very uh okay, comfortable with that comp. I think he'd be okay with it. But just a couple of th- stats that I just want to throw out, Travis. That I think are really really important because a lot of people are going to be saying, "Yeah, but uh, eh, I don't know." Here's the thing. Westbrook had a five-year stretch under Andy Reid where he was targeted over seven targets a game. Seven targets a game to want to what Clyde does the best in pass catching, right? Um, because a lot of people are concerned, oh, well, Damian Williams and he, you know, Damian Williams had his breakout season toward the end. Uh, Damian Williams is going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. They only owe him $1.8 million this year. The dead cap space would be half a million dollars. So, and they've got a plethora of running backs that they can fill in for Damian Williams. I have no problem. I, I have no concern that Damian Williams will impede on this running back backfield and and really cut into Clyde's uh, workload one bit. The last thing I want to say before I pass the reins over to Big Travi is that 
If you look back at what Patrick Mahomes has done uh, to the running back position, the effect that Patrick Mahomes has had on the running back position since he has played for Kansas City, he is on at the running back position has averaged 1.76 touchdowns a game. A game. You're almost looking at two touchdowns a game to the running back position underneath Pat Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying CEH will immediately come in and get that year one, but what you got to think half of that. You got to think you're going to you have a good chance that he's going to score, you know, point eight touchdowns a game. That's that's putting you over 10 touchdowns in a season. You're going to take that from any fantasy player 100 percent. So to me, CH and we'll get into Jonathan Taylor and I'll tell you what why uh, what my two viewpoints on those two players are. But for me, that's why I, I am so excited for CH and going to Kansas City, the investment in the draft capital, all of that. But Travis, yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit on it there. I think you you spoke a little bit about Damian Williams, and I think that's important for those that are are questioning that um, that we speak a little on that. And I think the reason you can have faith in Ceh um, is because Alaire's ability, as Johnny said, to catch the ball is so he's just a weapon with the ball in his hands. And so Damian Williams was on the field for them as their lead back because. You know, Patrick Mahomes trusted him on the leak routes, on the on the screens, on the on the, you know, the similar Kareem Hunt style uh, passes that they could get down the field and really take this offense to the next level. DEH is a better version of that for this offense, and he can be that first and second down guy as well because he's got great ball security. He's got a fantastic low center of gravity, forced his miss forces miss tackles. He's got a plethora of ways to do so. Um, he's been compared to Ray Rice by Pro Football Focus, MJD by a couple people. NFL's got him as Devonta Freeman as a comp. So you talk about these smaller backs that are very compact and can make people miss and make a lot of moves, and he and he fits the bill. He goes to one of, if not the best offense in football. Johnny talked about the Patrick Mahomes effect there. He can be that three-down back. We've talked about it. He will need to fix his pass blocking, uh, mm -hmm. Johnny. That is one of the concerns, probably the only concern with him, maybe you could say that he's a little bit shorter. Um, but he was pro football focus's second highest graded rusher in 2019. He had a 92.0 overall grade from PFF. Um, he's a perfect fit for this offense. Um, he should be that first rookie. We talked about it off the board in both redraft and dynasty rookie boards. Um, and, you know, when we talk about the tape, I said I wanted to give you guys a takeaway. My takeaway here for CEH. I mean, jump cuts, stutter steps, spin moves. He's got a big bag of tricks, Johnny, and it makes up for his top end speed because he doesn't have great right. top end speed. Right. But he's got an ability to make guys miss, and I think he's got it all in, in his bag of tricks there. So it was really fun to watch that tape. It'll be really fun to watch DEH in Kansas City this year. Mm -hmm. Speaking of another guy whose tape was really fun to watch, and that's DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Uh, he went to the Detroit Lions at number 35 overall, Johnny, and I know Swift maybe your favorite prospect in this entire running back class. I really, really do like Swift. I, it is a little bit unfortunate that he went to uh, Detroit. I, you know, I would have loved Swift in Tampa Bay or Kansas City. I think absolutely hands down he would have been the 101 if he landed in one of those two situations. Hey, Johnny, you would have liked if I went to Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, I would have. Yes, 100%. I'd be taking you 101, no doubt. Um, but number one overall eating at barbecue. That's for a, sure. um, city barbecue. Andy Reed would love that, uh, partner to yeah. go eat barbecue with them every day. Yeah. Sign him up. I don't know if the, I don't, I don't know if the restaurant would have enough. <laughs> <laughs> so 
here's the, here's what I'll say with with Swift going to to Detroit. A lot of people are going to be worried about Carryon Johnson, and what does this mean? Chances are in a redraft league, um, Swift will be going in the later rounds. Uh, I don't mind taking, depending, you know, fifth, sixth round. Uh, I wouldn't mind taking a, a stab at him. Absolutely not. I think that if you're looking at this offense, Daryl Bevel comes in as the offensive coordinator hired this year. If you remember that name, it's because he was the offensive coordinator for Seattle. And guess what Seattle loved to do under Daryl Bevel? They love to run the ball. And Daryl Bevel has been known to run the ball. And not only does he love to run the ball, but he generally likes to go with the one running back kind of system. Now, that doesn't mean that only run running I mean, back is going to, to touch fair, he's had Marshawn Lynch and Ezekiel Elliott and, so. and but who is built a lot like those two players DeAndre Swift is now fair enough, fair enough that would be the one thing I would say now am I am I am I gonna sit here and, and tell Whisper Nation right now that DeAndre Swift is gonna be the only one to touch the ball in Detroit next year absolutely not please don't please don't quote me on that but what please I will yeah, but what I will say is that I do feel confident that DeAndre Swift will be the main guy here. He will get the majority of the carries here. And I do think that, yeah, Kerryon Johnson will probably take more of that passing down role because Kerryon Johnson is super elusive and really good at that, and it might help him stay healthier. But I will say this, though, if Carrion Johnson does tend to get injured, which he tends to do, then you're looking at a guy who can carry the bell. You know, he can be a bell cow. Uh, he can pass or catch really well out of the backfield. You like what his production was in, in school coming out of Georgia. So I do love me some DeAndre Swift. Uh, I don't know if I would have said he should have been the second uh, running back off the board considering what we saw, but I was, I'm not surprised that Swift came off uh, after CEH and before Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about Swift, this is just a, another case study for running back university, AKA Georgia. This is their next rendition. He is an NFL ready prospect. He's, he may be the most NFL ready. I know people yeah. will talk about Jonathan I'm Taylor, but Swift is, 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 has three down back ceiling. He's got great vision and balance. Um, the, the knock would come that he's never been a true workhorse in Georgia because of the plethora of backs that they've had, but he's got three straight years of bring being graded by pro football focus at an 80 or higher. Um, he can run routes from just about any spot on the field that a running back runs routes from in the slot out of the backfield. Um, so that's, you like that. The upside is there. Um, I don't love the landing spot. As Johnny said, carry on Johnson still exists. Carry on's one of our favorite backs. Uh, over the last couple of years as far as prospects that have come out because he, he, he's a lot of fun to watch. He just not has not stayed healthy. And, I you know, I don't love the Alliance offense as a whole, like mm -hmm. if he wins the job even. It, the line's a question mark. It's a team in transition in a lot of ways. I just can be a little suspect. Um, I, I think his – I think it, it, I think it will be interesting, though, Travis, in this. This reminds me a lot, and it's very similar. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is very, very similar to his backfield mate uh, at Georgia um, and Nick Chubb, right? Nick Chubb was taken high in the second round to a, a Cleveland Browns team that we didn't think was very, very talented at the time. Uh, we thought, you know, and then he was buried in the depth chart behind, you know, at the time, yeah. you know, there were, they had 
a lot of pieces there in Cleveland. And then what ended up happening? The the talent rose to the top. The cream of the crop rose to the top. And and I think that we could see that again for DeAndre Swift. I think it would be easier because he doesn't have to work through such a crowded backfield in order to get to the top. But I do think that we could see the ceiling of a Nick Chubb from DeAndre Swift. It just might take and a while. And there's always those situations. You think of, you know, Adrian Peterson or guys that rise above the, the talent of their team mm-hmm. um, that could, you know, Arian Foster uh, in, in his days in Houston. You talk about guys that were better than the team around them and, and were still fantasy studs because of it. And that is a possibility here. I just look at what's going on with Detroit and some of these other backs and where they've gone, and it's not my favorite landing spot because mm-hmm. of that. The takeaway I have for the tape from the tape on DeAndre Swift are these fluid hips. He's got pass catching, jump cuts, and it just makes me think of the phrase nifty when I look at Swifty run the ball. <laughs> I like it. Um, Jonathan Taylor uh, out of Wisconsin is our next pick here, and this was a guy uh, maybe the highest graded back in the draft class from a lot of these different draft scouts, uh, but he kind of fell a little bit. Um, Jonathan Taylor went to out of Wisconsin, went to the Indianapolis Colts at number 41 overall. Johnny, um, what's the deal here? We know they had Marlon Mack last year. They were very successful. This guy kind of, you know, Taylor kind of projects to be similar to Mack in a lot of ways, maybe a better version, but similar in play style. Um, so what, how do you see this backfield shaking out, and how should fantasy players approach Jonathan Taylor this year? So here's what's interesting. You're going to get kind of both sides of the coin, right, Travis? You're going to get a lot of people who come out and they're like, they'll, you know, experts uh, that are like no football. I'm not talking about fantasy guys. I'm talking about football experts who come out and say, Jonathan Taylor is just like Saquon Barkley, the next, you know, Saquon, Zeke, big, heavy load, workload. I mean, this guy's a, a, a monster, right? He's huge. 200, almost 250 pounds, 240. Um, Big guy, right? But he's coming to an offense right now that's a little bit crowded. He doesn't catch the ball that well out of the backfield. He did have a little bit of a fumbling issue uh, in college. Now, that could be so did Marlon Mack, but that stuff can get uh, fixed. I'm not too worried about that aspect of it. Um, But if you're looking from a pure uh, talent standpoint, like, Talent-wise, he is the best, the most talented, pure running back that you're going to have in this draft. So if you're in a standard league, I like Jonathan Taylor a lot more. If you're in a PPR league, though, it's going to drop that because we don't know where that that production is going to go. You know, there's still Naheem Hines, who's on his rookie contract for two more years, who will likely be that satellite back. You do have Marlon Mack, who has another year under his uh, contract. So there is a lot of cloud there. Now, in two years, you're, you're talking about this was pro football focus's number two ranked offensive line. So you're putting one of the best pure runners behind one of the best pro football focus offensive line and one that should stay there because uh, Quentin Nelson is is really, really young and he's the number one offensive, uh, you know, offensive lineman in the game. So you you, you really like that. If I'm having to take – if I'm in a dynasty, I'm taking Taylor uh, number two overall, um, or I wouldn't even mind if you he, if he took him number one overall because I, I do think that there is a lot of talent there, Travis. But I do have my concerns. Long term, short term, it's all there. But the the talent of the player, I'm, I don't have concern on that uh, aspect of it. So uh, yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. He's a patient runner. He's going to wait for blocks to develop. Not that he'll need to a lot with the, the Colts team because 
Right. Like you said, they have a great offensive line, but he was extremely productive as well. He rushed for over 200 yards on 12 occasions. You probably heard me talk about that on the last episode when we were talking about potential landing spots. Um, he's probably the best between the tackle runner in this draft class. But there is a case to be made that the, the production that he experienced, all those tread on the tires could be a detriment. We could be looking at a lot of mileage on this guy. But this offensive line, the up-tempo offense, it's a good career fit for Taylor. You, you talked about that. He could be a late bloomer as early as this year uh, because Mac still being there. But I think it could be a similar situation to a Miles Sanders of last year mm-hmm. where Mac, you know, needs some time to get implemented, but then takes over this offense. But I also could see a situation where he wins the job this offseason, too, just because that's the talent we're working with here. You look at the tape. Taylor's balance, his endurance through the tackle. I mean, they just screamed off the tape here. He is really good. There's no doubt about it. And it was really kind of a great, great fit for him. He's kind of, if he's thinking about his career, I think he's got to be pretty happy he landed in Indy behind that offensive line. Oh, for sure. Let let me just ask you this before we move on real quick, Travis. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of it would seem to be on game script, correct? Because he's not a pass-catching running back. It would seem like... you you want him to be grinding out the clock, for sure. So they ran the ball on 46% of plays last year, which was tied for uh, fifth. They were fifth most running team last year. Do you think that with, you know, Philip Rivers coming in and the way that this team is looking right now, right? They got Michael Pittman, uh wide wide receiver, which we'll talk about on our next show. Do you see a lot of positive game scripts because that could change the skew of how I, you might look of look I, at him for I this year? I don't know, and the only reason I say that is because in Rivers' career, I think historically when I think about it, he hasn't had a ton of positive game scripts. They they yeah. they are a historic team that plays down to their competition. The Chargers have always been, and he was always in games where he was shooting out to come back. Now, with a new, I mean, with a new guy in Frank Reich, does Reich settle, you know, harness in Rivers and, and play to his style? I think so. I think Reich's a, a team guy. He's going to play uh, a game of game management. And I think mm-hmm. that's why they take a guy like Jonathan Taylor. They know, and yeah. I think you know, look. Mac was able to get what he got done when he rushed over 19 times. We knew that. That was part of the magic number for Mac last year, rushed the ball over 19 times. I think it's going to be similar for Taylor, at least in the first couple of years uh, before they find their new franchise quarterback. So moving on to another exciting pick, uh, one of these young running backs going to my second team right here, new logo, Los Angeles Rams, baby. That's horrible logo, dude. That that horrible. If you're you're watching this, let us know, Whisper Nation. Do you like the L.A. charge or L.A. I almost call it L.A. charge. Did you like the L.A. Rams new logo? Yeah, they said yes. They just said they it. just said they just said it to me. I can hear him. Uh, Cam Akers. He went to Florida State. Johnny followed in the footsteps of Dalvin Cook. Some other great running backs there. Uh, Los Angeles Rams took him at number fifty-two overall. Talk to me. You may hate the logo. Do you hate the fit? I love the fit. I love Cam Akers going here. Uh, I think that maybe in your, I mean, he is going to go to the top of the step chart. Let's, let's be realistic. Uh, Daryl Henderson was a third round pick. Okay. I just want to put this into perspective before I give why I'm so excited. Right. Well, and this is part of why I'm so excited. They spent a third rounder on Daryl Henderson last year. A lot of people were projecting Daryl Henderson to be the starting running back coming into this year, or at least be able to, Partial the uh, par- partial the load, right? Be the third down back, possibly get some early down back, if possible. He looked decent last year. He looked quick, but they spent a third round draft capital on him. 
You look at they what did they trade did up to get Henderson. They did trade up. You're right. But look at what they did this year. They got Acres in the second round. And not only did they get Acres in the second round, but let's remember that LA did not have a first round pick. So not only did they not have a first round pick, so Acres was a second rounder, sure, but Acres was their very first pick that they that they wanted. He they could have punted the position and went to the third round to get another running back. As we've seen, there was a plethora of running backs that went in the third round. But no, they chose to take a guy with their very first pick in the second round. So that screams to me that they want to use him, that they plan to use him. This offensive line needs to get better before I certainly have a lot of trust in him. So Dynasty, I like him a lot more than him going into this season. But again, similar to to, to Swift, uh, he should be going fifth, sixth round of redraft leagues, and I like him. I would take a stab if I need a running back. Uh, you know, maybe I go wide receiver heavy in in this draft uh, for redraft leagues, and I need some you know later round running backs. I have no problem getting Acres. I think that he'll get you know eighteen to twenty, maybe not eighteen. I think you'll get fifteen to twenty touches a game. Uh, you'll have Henderson spelling him. You might have Brown spelling him a little bit, but uh, certainly we've seen what this offense can do with a good runner. And I think the Cam Akers can come in and and be that, uh, be that kind of Todd Gurley. Certainly not to that extent, uh, but I certainly think that he could be a very, very nice, productive uh, fantasy to, uh, running back for for quite a while. Yeah, I honestly disagree with you. I think he's great. I think he's oh, a great tell fit. me, I tell just, me why then. Let's let's just, get into it. I disagree with you that he's not going to make an impact immediately because of the line. I actually think that it benefits them that they got Akers because Akers. Ran behind a terrible line at FSU. That he did, he was a, and he was good. He was yeah, he was 125 rating of elusive, uh, elusivity. Elusive, elusivity. elusivity? <laughs> no, that's like exclusivity that yeah, I just, to, I just. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna make that up. Uh, 125 PFF elusive rating. They had him this year because he ran behind that line. He had to get creative. Uh, he can quickly adjust. He starts and stops with great tempo. He invites contact even at the linebacker level where those big hitters are. I think with Gurley and Cooks gone, we know with Goff struggling last year, McVay wants to simplify this offense, I think. He realizes he can't go as intricate as he wanted to at one time, and that means he needs a strong running game, and that's why they went and got Akers, like Johnny said. They spent capital again on a running back, even after last year they didn't have a lot of picks, and they spent on a running back in Henderson. But um henderson didn't pick up this playbook very well malcolm brown didn't show me anything that you know that wowed me or jumped off the page last year or the year before he's a definitely a good backup but i think acres was drafted here to be their guy mm-hmm. um he does not have extensive pass catching experience he was kind of used as the last uh effort in pass catching but when you look at this film man it's littered with missed tackles and patient profitable that dude's a tank acres he's yeah, a tank and you're and you're going to get what you paid for uh, if you're the Rams, and that is a guy who can survive your line as you try to rebuild it and get mm-hmm. some more youth into it. And I think that's a good fit for Akers. It's a good fit for the Rams. And fantasy owners in both redraft and dynasty should be taking a long, hard look at Cam Akers. Yeah. Another guy, very interesting, in the same realm uh, as Akers here, and a guy that I've you know personally been struggling with uh, to kind of grade, is J.K. Dobbins, Johnny. Went to Ohio State, is a highlight reel as far as his body, as far as his home run hitting uh, you know, runs. He was drafted number 55 overall to the Ravens. 
Uh, and you say, well, why? They had Mark Ingram last year. He was a Pro Bowl runner. I think the Ravens saw what happened in the playoffs when they didn't have Mark Ingram and he was hurt, and they kind of struggled to get things going against the Tennessee Titans when they needed to. Mm -hmm. But in Dobbins, Johnny, they've got great size and build. He's got a durable track record, which I think is part of the reason why they drafted him because of the Mark Ingram injury. He's got several years, got big play threat, thick, strong legs. Defenders seem to bounce off these legs when you look at the tape. Baltimore's line, the style of play that they have, they've got a mobile franchise quarterback. All of these make a very ideal career fit uh, for Dobbins and his skill set. You've got the slight knock that he's not the fanciest with the ball in his hands. He kind of just gets the job done. But my tape, you know, you would believe, you know, when you watch this tape that every run that Dobbins had was a home run. But then you look at Pro Football Focus's ranking for runs over 15 yards. He was the number one in the nation for runs over 15 yards. So, you know, you look at Ohio State's line and you could discredit maybe what Dobbins did because of how good Ohio State was. But this guy got the job done. And I don't think he should be knocked because he did what he was supposed to do. And he did it at a very you know efficient level, Johnny. Yeah, I love Dobbins. I think that he truly can be a, a running back. And I, I do think that he'll be a running back that we will talk about in a few years as being in redrafts, you know, a top three pick, a top five pick, because he has that ability. He's going to the offense that loves to run the ball. They run the ball 50.84% of the time last year. That is more than any other team um, that I research ever <laughs> ever uh but uh they so they love running the ball the only concern here obviously is that is he going to see playing time this year now mark ingram is still under contract for two years uh but there is some way out of that uh technically after this year they could cut him with minimal uh you know salary cap damage there so I do think he'll immediately come in and and uh, become the running back two. I think he'll he'll go over Hill, um, which is a little bit sad because uh, I liked Hill a lot. Um, but certainly you're a friend of the show. He is a friend of the show. Yeah, that is correct. Um, but you know you're you're. You're playing a little bit of a dangerous game if you're trying to get him in redrafts. Uh, you might be able to get him a little bit later, but he is a guy that. It's crazy because he he is a guy that can win you a league like that's the, exactly what you're looking for is the pedigree that he has the the you know, you look at draft capital, you look at the team, the the, re, the reason they like to run the ball, the fact that he would be with Lamar Jackson. You, you love all this. If Ingram wasn't there right now, you're probably looking at the number one overall draft pick right here. Uh, if Ingram wasn't there. Yeah, I. I... Look, I, I'm really excited about Dobbins. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with Mark Ingram this year. And, and Ingram still has to come back from an injury, too, from last mm -hmm. year. So we've got to see what that looks like in an aging running back coming back from a calf injury. Um, and I think they you know, they were excited about this pick. Um, maybe not so excited were the Aaron Jones truthers when A.J. Dillon was selected out of Boston College by the Green Bay Packers at number 62 overall. Johnny... A.J. Dillon is a complete, you know, you want to talk about a tank in Cam Akers. This is like a, this is like a, a aircraft carrier. Oh, my gosh. Uh, this guy is a, Dillon monster. is a beast. Dude, he is. Uh, I'm excited. He is the thunder that he, that they are looking for in Green Bay. They, yeah. it, it, If you're looking at what they want to do, they want to bring the similar to what Tennessee is doing over with Derrick Henry. They wanted yeah. a big bruiser back, and, and they got that. They got that in A.J. Dillon. 
I'm actually more intrigued by this pick than probably a lot of people are in the fantasy industry. Why? Because we know that they want to run the ball. We know that Green Bay wants to run the ball. They want to eat clock and they want to run off the play action. And Aaron Jones, I I love Aaron Jones. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Jones. But Aaron Jones just isn't that type of running back. He's a great little, you know, a great scat back. He'll be the second. He'll come in on second and third downs. And hey, my, and hey, hey I, this is my, this is what scat I'm thinking. Back. Okay, this is, yeah. I'm, no, no, no. I think he's better than a scat back. I think that they will use him like a scat back. I think that A.J. Dillon is exact player that they wanted to get in there. 250 pounds, that guy is a monster. I think that you saw Aaron Jones get, what, 16 touchdowns last year? I don't think it's a very, you know, long stretch to see A.J. Dillon come in and get 10 to 12 easily. Easily. Yeah, I'm I mean, going to say that right now. I, I, I truly think that this is a monster, monster pickup, and I don't think it's being talked about enough in the fantasy community because people aren't realizing what kind of move this is. And Aaron Jones is fun, and Aaron Jones, you know, has the big play, and he does what he's supposed to do, and he's and he's lived off of high efficiency, similar to Alvin Kamara. I mean, he has lived off right. of a high yards per carry because he's very talented, but he does not have the body of a bell cow running back. He does not have the healthy track record of a bell cow running back. And I think the bigger thing here, as Johnny talked about with Tennessee. You know, Matt LaFleur comes from Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. He spent time calling plays in Tennessee. He understands that in order to run the offense he wants to run, he has to have thunder and lightning, as Johnny kind of talked about. And the thunder here is most assuredly (laughs) A.J. Dillon. Uh, He lacks the pass-catching skill set, but I think he has a great shot to be a much, much better Jamal Williams. And he could even play the bigger key role in this balanced Green Bay attack because he's a pure hammer. We talked about 250 pounds. Johnny, how heavy is Derrick Henry? Um, Probably 250. 238. So, so he's smaller. AJ Dillon is bigger. So he goes and just overshadows. He would just stand over. I don't know if he's taller because uh, Der- Derrick Henry is pretty tall, but The takeaway from the tape I saw in A.J. Dillon was just it was wild how fast and elusive Dillon looked for his size. It it reminded me of like Glenn Big Baby Davis in in (laughs) basketball. He just looked quick. He looked fast. And and honestly, I think A.J. Dillon's got a shot here. And you're right. I think people should take more note to this and see the way Green Bay is working. And I also think this trickles in and we could get to this later on in the in the offseason to what we should think about for the pass catchers for Green Bay and even Aaron Rodgers this year as far as a fantasy outlook because I think this team is shifting away from a high-tempo passing attack that we've seen in the past to mm-hmm. a rushing ballast attack that leans on their defense that they've had. But anyways, moving on to... Uh, I just want to say one other thing before we move on. Uh, AJ, we talk about guys not being a regime's guy. Jones is not the regime's guy. They have now True. picked their running back. So I do I want to throw that out there. Well, and I I wouldn't go that far to say they've picked their running back. They definitely did. They that is the regime's pick for a running back, but I think they're very happy with Aaron, with Aaron Jones. I think they want these guys to work in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they selected Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt at number 76 overall, Johnny. And so we've got a running back going to Tampa Bay, maybe not the one we wanted, 
but there is a running back in Tampa Bay now. We need to talk about it. So, Johnny, what are your, you know, how excited are you? What's your temperature on, on Vaughn right now? Uh, certainly coming around a little bit on Vaughn. Um, of course, you'd much rather have one of these bigger fishes uh, land there because we've been researching and we and we like the pedigree of like, you know, a lot of these guys. We had our, our landing show. We gave our top picks for where we'd like players to land in Tampa Bay. And neither you or I or a lot of player, you know, mock drafts uh, would pick Vaughn to go to Tampa Bay. But here we are, uh, so let's discuss it, right? Vaughn comes in. He is a uh, pretty good-sized running back. Uh, you know, his his college tape looks really, really good. He looks like a very nice running back. I do expect him to come and, and take the majority of this uh, backfield. Listen, it's going to be a crowded backfield. You're you've got you still have Ronald Jones. You've got, you know, now they bring in Vaughn, which is on a third uh third round draft grade, which for Bruce Arians is pretty significant because let's not let's not forget that David Johnson was a third round draft pick. So that's kind of nice. But um Ronald Jones extremely struggles. It took him a while to play David Johnson though, too. It did. It did. He doesn't that is one thing. He doesn't necessarily like to start rookies right away. He wants to let them earn their stuff, but here's the difference. And this is why I'm more so coming around on Vaughn than I would normally uh because that is a very good point, but guess what? Like right now is the time for Tampa Bay. It's now or never. There's no tomorrow. So you can't really play that card uh, if you're Bruce Arians, because I also think this is his last ride. So I think and maybe I also has... think it's like he, Bruce Arians has, has had good quarterbacks before, but he's never yeah. had Tom. Brady. Right. Yeah. And Tom Brady at 42, who wants to win the Super Bowl right now, yeah. he's going to tell B.A., hey, uh, I want this other guy in. And he's probably going to be in the game if that's the case. Exactly. So um, certainly Vaughn, I do think that he could be a guy that uh, is a mover uh, for draft, you know, on rookie drafts, as well as. I think that once we start getting closer and closer to draft, you know, drafting time, whenever that will be, uh, I do think that Vaughn's draft stock will go up because I think people will start to notice that, hey, Rojo is is kind of the odd man out here. Um, and I, I, I don't see him being very productive this year. Um, so Vaughn is a guy that I, I think that is a nice, nice pick. Uh, I thought that they could have done. I would have liked them to get, you know, one of these bigger guys for sure. But Vaughn is a guy. Tampa Bay did, though, man. They 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 beefed up their team around Brady in other ways um, with within the offensive line, within the defense. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was the right. Oh, Will's Will's pick in the second or in with our first round pick was absolutely dynamite. I love that. Yeah. And I think that was the style here. And so, yeah, get yourself that third round running back. And here's the deal. Vaughn is a typical B.A. running back. He's a one-cut zone yeah. specialist. Mm -hmm. He's going to work really well in B.A.'s scheme. And I think, you know, we talk about a one-trick pony. I watch the tape here. These cuts are nasty he's making. They're not yeah. just like his one trick is a good one trick. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I think they'll be they'll be happy. And we could be sitting back here in, in 10 years going, Vaughn had a pretty good career doing what he was supposed to do within the system. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, Johnny, we, we got to talk about Zach Moss to the Buffalo Bills. He comes out of Utah, number 86 overall. And, Johnny, I have to say it right now, like, Devin Singletary truthers, they need to be worried. Um, I, 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 And, look, I, I understand that Singletary played well, and I understand that we think that there's going to be a dual-back system here, and, and Zach Moss will, will fit right into the Frank Gore such role. Uh, this guy was really good, and really good with the ball in his hand. He was touted as 
It's PFF's most elusive back in last year's mm-hmm. draft uh, class with Gore gone. Singletary's lack of bell cow size. I think Moss has a role immediately, obviously, but then also like could cut into some of the passing down work even too that Singletary was coming accustomed to. He's been comped uh, to, by some people to Kareem Hunt. Um, so I, I think that, you know, he looks like he's on skates or, or clouds at time when I look at this tape because he's so smooth in his ability to make defenders miss. And so I think that spells as a, as a guy that could really come in and, and take over here. Yeah, I'm listen, I, I've monitored this really, really closely, obviously, because I'm a Singletary owner. Uh, am I concerned? I, I mean, I, I figured that they were going I knew they were going to draft a, a running back in this draft. It would it wouldn't have made sense if they didn't. Right. But I don't think that because they draft in Moss, Singletary's value goes to nothing. I don't think that Singletary's I workload. Well, I, I, I do think you should be worried. I, I and here's the thing: teams are doing this all the time now, and For you're sure. not you you're you're not Singletary is a very good running back. You're talking about elusiveness. Singletary was one of the best elusive running backs last year we saw in the NFL, not in college where he didn't even play in a good. Uh, he played in the Pac-12. So Pac-12, as we all know, uh, hasn't been in a Final Four for uh, championship ever. Uh, they not even scratch the surface or come close. Uh, the best team was maybe the Ducks, who did it a couple of years ago. That was the closest team. So you're looking at, uh, you know, Zach Moss. Does he look good? Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that he did. Like size though, like if he can be elusive and have better size than Singletary, they they can keep him <laughs> on the field. He's a better mismatch. That's what I'm. I I, I but you're. I think you're discrediting how good Singletary is in at football. And listen, I'm not again, I'm not saying that Zach Moss comes in and he doesn't get any carries. I think he takes over the Frank Gore role, which is 100 he Frank Gore had 166 carries last year. I think that or rushing attempts. I think that that's what Frank or that's what Zach Moss will probably come in, get 150 to 160 touches. And I don't think that Singletary's uh, we got also got to remember, like Singletary was injured per uh, a good amount of last season. So he didn't get that. And still Singletary finished the where, where he did as a running back. They yeah, like I mean, Singletary. I, I like Singletary. I think he's good at football. What I'm saying is, is I think that unlike Singletary, who doesn't have a chance to take over a full role because he's going to be pigeonholed into that mm-hmm. third down role and scat back. Moss actually has the ability to catch the football mm-hmm. and become a three down back. So Singletary ceiling isn't really as high as Moss's right. ceiling over mm-hmm. the career. I I, I would disagree I, with that. I would say that Singletary's upside is certainly capped by Moss being there, but I don't I and I would actually say I don't even think Moss is going to be better than Singletary next year or in the next two years. It might be in three years when they can get off of Singletary. Yeah, I, I, just, and then, I, I, do, I do like what I'm seeing out of Moss, and I think it's a, I think it's actually a better uh, fit uh, career-wise. I do like uh, where he Moss. landed there. And and you're looking at a guy who's going to be paired with a running quarterback, and you know, and yep. and Josh Allen. We know that those quarterbacks tend to, um, or those running backs tend to do better in those kind of systems. So I do like the system for sure, 100. percent So that wraps up our guys as far as rookie running backs are concerned but johnny you did have an honorable mention we did talk about pittsburgh being maybe a potentially a team uh where a running back could go because of james connor's injury history and Mm -hmm. they did draft a running back anthony mcfarland out of maryland at 124 overall should james connor truthers be concerned here 
Uh, I would be, I'll be honest with you. I think that this should be, uh, maybe not for this season. I think that James Conner might be able to get away with one more season of being the, you know, the dominant bell cow type of guy, but you look, you're talking about watching every highlight of, uh, you know, watching game tape and, and seeing, you know, every, every play being a home run hit. Look at McFarland's tape. Oh my gosh. Watching that kid run. He is a one cut go kind of guy and he will leave you in, in dust. He ran a four, four forty, uh, which is insane. Uh, you know, again, the big thing here is that James Conner is only has one year left on his, on his deal. Steelers are not known for being a team that will pay their running backs. So I do think this is the last year for James Conner. I think that uh, Anthony McFarland, he looked good. Now, certainly we've seen these guys come in and underneath the system of, of the Steelers system and really can do what they want with it because they are dedicated to that kind of uh, running game. So I do think that Anthony McFarland should be someone that uh, if you're in dynasty uh, should be on your board, uh, you know, you should be looking at him. I wouldn't reach super high in order to get him. If you're in a redraft league, you're probably not going to get him. He might be handcuffed, uh, but uh, he might be a name that you'll be familiar with sooner rather than later. That's what I will say. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, 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 I think that there's a case to be made here. I love the story of James Conner. I think he's he's a fantastic story for them, and he's had some great runs, and he's looked really good when he's on. He's just had a lot more bad over the last year and a half than good, and unfortunately um, that, that could spell McFarland coming in and taking that role right from him. Uh, but we want to know what you think, Whisper Nation, on, on that situation or any of the situations we put out before you. Uh, we love putting this episode out every year. We're going to come right back with it next week on the pass catchers. So rookie wide receivers and a couple tight ends. Uh, really, you know, that was the the depth of this draft for the experts. So we're going to dive into that and let you know our take as well. All right, Whisper Nation. Well, we want to know what you think. Go ahead and hit us up in our DMs. Let us know uh, what rookies you want to you're excited about, what you'd like to talk about. As always, you can subscribe to all of our platforms by hitting us up through our website, thefantasywhispers.com. Everything's linked there for you. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers, and we are out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.